Talkers. Welcome to No Prize from God, episode 18. No Prize from God features conversations with creative people about belief, unbelief, and everything in between. I'm your host, Ryan J. Downey, and my guest this episode is Nurgle of the black metal band Behemoth. If this is your first time listening to No Prize from God, the best thing you can do to help support the podcast is to go into Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you prefer to listen in and leave us a five-star rating and a nice review. Those really do help. Check out previous episodes with a number of great guests, including Maddie Mullins of Memphis Mayfire, Jesse Leach of Killswitch Engage, Episcopal Priest Broderick Greer, Integrity's Dwight Hellion, Tim McTagg of Under Oath, author Michelle T., Soulfly frontman Max Cavalera, Ryan Clark of Demon Hunter, Sister Kate of the Sisters of the Valley, and many more. In this episode, which arrives two years to the day which was not on purpose since our last episode. Adam Darsky talks about the religious atmosphere of his upbringing, discovering radical spiritual ideas and black metal music, legally changing his middle name to Nurgle, formally leaving the Catholic Church and the involved process that entails, the onstage performance where he ripped up a Bible, and the more recent Instagram post that both led to charges of blasphemy in the Polish courts, whether or not his battle with leukemia altered his views toward the bigger picture, and much more. You can follow No Prize From God on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Ryan Downey and on Instagram at SuperheroHQ. And check out the other Pop Curse Network podcasts, including Pop Curse, Speak and Destroy, a podcast about Metallica, and Hoosier Illusion. So here it is, my conversation with Nurgle of Behemoth. This is No Prize From God. Instagram account? This day in Danzig. I believe you follow it unless it's someone impersonating you. It's it's Danzig fanpage? It yeah, it's the uh the Instagram account where I just I post uh like the day in uh Danzig history every day. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course I do, I do, I do. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. Awesome, yeah. I just wanted to tell you as as the guy who does the account that I appreciate the support. I notice you want you. Of course, I, always liking folks. Uh, are you are you friends with Glenn, or are you just just being a fan? I just a long time fan. I've uh, you know I've, I've interviewed him before a number of years ago for fun. Uh, some friends of mine and I would do a a Misfits tribute band every Halloween. Different friends would rotate in and out of the lineup. Yeah, I'm just just a just a fan. <laughs> That's cool, man. I don't know. It's, thanks for putting up such a good job because uh, yeah, Instagram is this key to. I mean, even if you're a fan, you can do like a really good job and you can just uh, maintain the legacy of some of the, you know, bands or like, I don't know, like some situations or some, some stuff, which is, which is good. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan and uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's cool to see that. 
Yeah, I like a lot of that history that uh, doesn't really get documented in this age of clickbait journalism and everyone just re-reporting each other's interviews. You yeah, know, I like yeah, I yeah. like creating a you know a reservoir somewhere of you know it's like yeah it would be easy for the world to forget that Danzig once played on the Jon Stewart show on MTV. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. have a place to record exactly. that kind of stuff. Awesome. So, yeah, man, so the podcast, it's called No Prize from God, and essentially the elevator pitch, the quick concept behind it, you know, I was looking at the religion and spirituality category in Apple Podcasts a couple of years ago and noticing that everything is either right-wing evangelical christian militant atheism or you know new agey kind of self-help stuff and i thought mm. where are the conversations for everyone else and i started thinking about uh subculture in particular whether it's extreme metal or or punk and all of the interesting outlooks from so many different types of people all around the world who are creative about you know belief unbelief and everything in between basically so uh, so since starting it you know i've had mostly musicians because that's the world i come from but uh also playwrights and authors and uh different people on so you know all across the spectrum from you know some christian leaning guys like uh ryan from demon hunter jesse from kill switch engage to you know satir and isan uh you know they've both been on and you know and then i've had like a woman who who's a tarot card reader. Um, I had a guy on who was a black, queer, Episcopalian priest. <laughs> um, I had a woman on from a, a convent called Sisters of the Valley, which are uh, a group of, of nuns who are not part of the uh, any church system. They follow like this like sort of pre-Christian traditions and they uh, grow and smoke weed as a sacrament. Um, so just really trying to, yeah, have these conversations with, with different people that have uh, different points of nice. view. So, yeah, I, I put yeah, you, let's go, man. Yeah, I put you right towards the top of my wish list when I when I started it because you know from what I what I see in interviews and so on, you know, you strike me as very articulate and intelligent, and that you would have um, a point of view on all this sort of stuff that's more interesting than you know the yeah. Let's let's see if I'm if. I'm not going to be a disappointment today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. And and I figure uh, we're both uh, Generation X, so uh, so we have that in common as uh, children of the '70s. So. Yep, '77, two sides. '73, <laughs> salute. Oh, old man. <laughs> you know, tell me a little bit about your upbringing in terms of you know, what sort of uh, religious ideas were presented to you uh, very young and, and what was kind of around, what was the environment, and, and particularly, uh, obviously, growing up in Poland, um, which has a, I suppose, uh, stricter view on this stuff than other parts of Europe. Well, I, I grew up in a very average family, uh, two kids, I had an older brother, uh, born in sixties, I was born in seventies, late seventies, and uh, we were raised in this communist. Uh, I mean, in communist regime, but my father was a communist, still is. Uh, my mother was just neutral, you know, and they supposedly they were, you know, I mean, they baptized me, so some of the Catholic traditions would be carried on like along the way, but then eventually they would drop them because they, like when aging, it seemed like they would just get a, that kind of knowledge or awareness that it, it, it really makes no further sense to, to follow the tradition, basically. Now in Poland, the Catholicism is, is very tradition-based, you know, it's very facade-like, it's, it's not very, I, I, it's far from being spiritual. It's it's strongly religious country, but it's 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 missing the point. I believe it's it's missing the yeah the 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 raising the tray of of uh, of religion. So it's very connected with uh, local nationalisms, 
and uh, with yeah with yeah with I mean to be just it reeks of you know the the medieval times and it's not very forward thinking although well there's there are branches in Christianity that are pretty open-minded and forward thinking they are I'm not saying no uh, the, the whole ecumenic wing of that is you know it, there's a lot of people that are actually open to build bridges and 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 build dialogues, which is cool with me. Always, always, always interesting to have conversation with someone you know who's well read, who's elaborate, who's you know who's smart. You know, even though he stands on the other side of the barricade. So, anyways, I was growing as a family. Uh, I was baptized. I would go, you know, I did the religion class, you know, the Sunday school and stuff. You know, when I was a kid. But then, like at the early teens, I would just I would basically give up. Uh, not that I was uh, I was just contemplating the world and 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 started questioning the laws, which is you know the rebellious rebellious uh, period of every teenager. But most of them they just do it because it's part of their mm, evolution, and then eventually they go and regardless, they you know they, they just you know, they go back to the system this way or another, and you know they remain slaves to the system to the end of their lives. While for me, it was really a catalyst to kind of redefine myself from the very scratch, to to even ruin the foundation that I was raised on, and just build something from from the very you know ground. And um, so, yeah, just I. Like also no like technically I uh, reversed my rebirth uh, my birth sorry because that's what you can do in a Catholic church it's called the apostasy mm-hmm. like one of the Behemoth album titles you know that's kind of <laughs> I named the album called apostasy but I was still like I was still in the books of you know I was still uh, officially a Catholic right mm. like for most of my life and. But I remember when I was hospitalized and I, you know, finished my treatment and come out of life. I was like, okay, I mean, let it's 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 time to do some, you know, uh, work now because to me it was like, I mean, I was still in the books, you know, although I was very anti, you know, religious. I've always been anti-religious, you know, and my statements are rather strong and, and steadfast and and I'm still like in their books, you know. So when people, whenever you hear statistics about Poland being so Catholic, you know, I was part of that. And I was like, that's shitty, you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna I wanna be honest with myself in the first place. But of course, you know, later I'll be thinking about my plans, you know, like that I that I'm not, you know, entirely honest here, you know, because I'm preaching something and then I'm in in the books of, of local church, like I don't want to be that. So I I um, applied for the apostasy um, process and I passed it. You know, and it wasn't easy. It was a process. It was long. You have to really like fucking you know push them hard, push, push, push the envelope, and and eventually they they basically delete you from from their books, from their um, system, and uh, yeah. And the good news is there's uh, no way back. It's fascinating, really, because it makes me think about how many of the religions around the world, you know, Catholicism in particular, and I also, you know, grew up in a Christian household. My, my parents divorced when I was really young, and my my mom was a Presbyterian, but my father and his, his family were uh, Irish Catholic, and... Uh, you know, my, my, my dad referred to himself as a recovering Catholic for <laughs> most of his life. Um, I think he still would, would say that. But uh, but what you're making me think about, though, is, is how many of the organized religions around the world uh, have supposed adherents on the membership rolls uh, who yeah. are beyond lapsed or even, you know, have rejected the religion altogether. But because... Most people don't take the steps, especially if the steps are complicated and lengthy, as you described, 
to formally leave the religion, those groups can continue to claim all of those yeah. people, uh, you know, as, yeah. as members. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was my problem with that. So I decided to make a, a, a proper statement. I even uh, in my book, uh, The Confession of the Heretic, I describe the whole process with details with, you know, basically like, yeah, all the dialogues I had with the local priests and just, you know, going back and forth and, you know, how they make, made it difficult for me. Because, I mean, their rule number one is to keep their ship, you know, for any cost. Mm-hmm. Just keep the, you know, keep them at, you know, bay. Keep them there, you know. Don't, don't let them run away because we need them. And uh, so I, I, you have to be very uh, persistent and, and, and pushy. And, and uh, so, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, that's what they do, you know. They, they're very strong in statistics, you know. But, uh, the world is definitely getting more, every day is getting more and more secure. Secularized, that's the word, secularized. And uh, I think, you know, like, it just, it's corrodes, you know, it continuously corrodes, you know. It's really, to me personally, it's joyful to watch uh, the corrosion of Catholic Church uh, worldwide. I mean, yeah. It, it, it can only go uh, for a benefit for for humankind, that's for sure. During the mortgage crisis in in America, in you know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, people were finding, in a lot of instances, that even though they were really behind on their payments, they weren't being evicted from their houses as quickly as they would have guessed. And over time, what became evident was banks were reluctant to throw you out of your house. Because if they were still pretending your house was worth a half a million dollars, but now it's worth two hundred thousand dollars, once wow. once they throw you out, they have to admit that the home is only worth two hundred thousand dollars now. But as long as they have you in there and you're on the paperwork as owing them five hundred thousand, mm-hmm. they can pretend that they own this five hundred thousand dollar asset. And that, that that's what that makes me think mm-hmm. about with this whole process of you know initiating people uh, before they're even old enough to be aware, let alone make their own choices, into a religious system mm-hmm. and then just, you know, uh, letting them, you know, essentially fuck off and do whatever they want without, uh, you know, taking them off the paperwork, so to speak. So I, I would imagine it's the same sort of idea of having this inflated sense of the size of something that's actually much smaller than we understand it to be. Yeah. Where did kind of the intersection of, I suppose, music and uh, attitudes towards religion and religious systems and, and expressing yourself creatively that way. Where did that come into play? And, and when did you first get a sense of intermingling those things? Because, you know, certainly people who didn't grow up into some kind of subculture uh, don't tend to associate music with anything yeah. revolutionary yeah, yeah. or spiritual or, you know, any, anything like that. So where, where did that happen for you? Yeah. I think in the first place, you need to you need to have a gene for that. You have to kind of lean towards that rebelliousness, just naturally, okay? And then if this meets with a, with a proper background or like a, let's call it like the seeds and there's a, a, you know, a field and so... I was a, you know, I was a potential seed, and the field was heavy metal genre. Mm. And um, you know, my first contact with bands like Cut, which is a Polish black metal band, uh, they started in early '80s, and then Venom in mid, like let's say mid '80s and up. You know, I already knew Venom, and uh, it was in Slayer and Bathory, and uh, but. I was still like, uh, like technically I was a Catholic still, you know, so I was just, it, it felt like, you know, forbidden fruit for me to, to make that extra step, you know, I just, oh, well, I must say, I, it, I felt like, okay, you know, this, there's, it, it, I'm, I'm definitely, it's drawing my interest and, 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 and I love the music, you know, but I can't really, 
uh, agree on the content, you know, because it was satanic and I was technically a Catholic, you know, but then I would just, I would just break. <laughs> At some point, I was like, you know what, enough, you know, like enough of pretending. I, I mean, I just don't want to be part of the, I mean, part of the like bigger group just to, you know, feel safe. I'd rather be the black sheep, you know, the, or rather say goat in that group. And 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 if I'm gonna be ostracized, that's fine. But I don't want to pretend anymore. And uh, but that was time uh, when I was officially like really like involved in in. in I mean, I was studying lyrics from, you know, bands like Blasphemy and fucking Morbid Angel, and 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 I got a zero copy the Satanic the, the, the Satanic Bible. Mm-hmm. It wasn't released in Poland. It was just someone who translated to Polish, and he would just use a type machine. And there was this, you know, there was this that that copy circulating among people. And I remember I gave it to my father because he had the, uh, you know, free of charge access uh, to the zero copy machine at his work, mm-hmm. and I asked him to, uh, to to copy it for me, and he confiscated that, you know, for a couple of weeks. He's like, "Holy shit, what's that?" You know, I'm confiscating that. I'm like, "What?" And then three weeks later, he would just bring it back. You know, he would just. I remember I was sitting in my room just listening to some heavy shit music. And and he would just enter my room and uh, like with no comment, we would, he would just approach me, just throw it at my table and leave. And that was it. I've never he would never discuss it with me. Mm. So I guess that he would just take his time to read it and realize that well, I mean, I mean, and now I'm guessing. Okay, it's not sure. bad after all. It's not that you know degradating or. Yeah, just, you know, basically he would just give up and let me make my decisions in life, you know. And I remember he was, like, quite often he would be after me, you know, and checking my neck, you know. I, w- I was, like, 14, 15, he would just check my, you know, underneath my shirts, you know, if I'm wearing an inverted cross. You still got it, you still got it. <laughs> and and I would just hide it, you know, behind them. And then when it came to the point that I was like, okay, I mean, I really need to talk to them, like, mm, like, you know, man to man and just, just be honest with them. So I kind of explained my Satanism to, to them. And I remember the tears came to my eyes. It was very honest conversation. But man, I was 15. Right. Look at 15 kids. Do you, do, do you know any 15 year old kids around you? Uh, well, my, my daughter will be 13 later this year. And it's like, it, it, so imagine it, yeah. your daughter doing that to you. Yeah. Because I get, I get that. Like when I see like kids around, and like, how old are you? I'm, not, I'm 14, 15, and I look at them, and then I have this flashback in my memory. Holy shit! At their age, I was already getting ready to start a behemoth, and I was wearing inverted cross, mm-hmm. and I already had a bunch of philosophical um, background. Not background. I had some ideas, okay, because I didn't really have knowledge at that point. I was just ready to to devour all that knowledge and just start my trip as a, I mean, relatively free man in this very unfree world, let's call it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I was ready. And when I see 15-year-old kids around, I don't know, in a, in a playground or like anywhere, I'm like, holy shit, these are kids. They don't know shit about life. They're interested in games. Mm-hmm. They're not even interested in, you know, in their, um, like, boys are not really interested. I don't know, maybe they are, you know, but it, I was already, like, you know, into girls, into, like, I was already doing some alcohol on, like, you know, in the underground, so to say, and I was into just exploring this, this esoteric occult uh, domain. So uh, one can say that I was, like, overgrown or how what's the word for that i was just you know over over mature or like more mature than like you know my i i would use when i was 16 my good friends that were really into heavy metal and i was i would actually get like the sitting body from them it was a chick it was a couple that would live like a few kilometers from me and i called them my um grandparents 
sorry, not grandparents, uh, like the godfather, godparents mm-hmm. of, of heavy metal. So they will raise me like a, like the, the, their like a younger son, basically. They would treat me, they would embrace me, okay? So I would get music from them. They would just, you know, like the Mira, that's what's his name. Um, and she would just, you know, I would just go there. And then like first time ever, I would just get super drunk. It was at her, at her place. Um, they would play me music and just get me, like, I, it was so, um, I was so, attracted to that you know because they were like eight years older than myself she was studying she was she was already fluent in english you know so i could you know she would just like when i when we started with behemoth she would uh, translate my lyrics into english and mm. and and just correct my english or correct my english or whatever but anyways there was this couple and we're still friends by the way and uh so yeah that I would feel good, you know, in company of people that are like five, ten years older than me, you know, and they would embrace me. They would treat me as equal, basically. So maybe I was just, you know, overmature, whatever. It, it's crazy because I, I find myself thinking about that same thing often, you know, as a parent now and thinking about what my kids have been exposed to or, you know, my, my kids are still pretty young. But, yeah, my, my daughter will be a teenager soon. And it's like, you know we still haven't watched an R-rated movie, you know? And I'm thinking, gosh, when I was nine, 10 years old, even 11 years old, I was already, I was reading Fangoria. I had seen, you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street and all of the Friday yeah. the 13th movies and Halloween and, you know, just all of this shit. And was, uh, like you said, also interested in the esoteric stuff and in, in the occult and in middle school, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I I borrowed the Satanic Bible from a friend of mine. I was also reading uh, the Bhagavad Gita, you know, the the Hare Krishna book, and um, mm. all this all this other sort of stuff, and you know, contemplating a lot of these uh, bigger questions. And yeah, I remember, you know, I had my small cadre of metal friends who were you know a year or two older than me. But by and large, for the most part, most of our peers weren't interested in, in any of this stuff, of course. Mm-hmm. But yeah, as you said, it, it, as as adults now, it's really crazy to look at kids uh, yeah, now like, and to think about yeah. what we were doing when we were their age. Yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I was I was fucked from me like being a fucking a uh, you know a bad guy, you know, bad kid. You know, I was just my interests were just so unworldly. You know, it was just so. I wouldn't fit into the system, you know, and I would, I mean, I was a social guy, you know, so I had friends and I had friends from other so-called, I don't know, like the, the departments, but uh, I was already like, yeah, I was forming a band. I was planning, you know, to you know, all the releases, writing lyrics and shit like that, you know, 15, 16, 17, I was already deeply into that, you know, so, and of course, I'm very thankful to, you know, for the fact that I was such a, let's call it a weirdo, you know, uh, mm-hmm. although it felt like very natural and normal to me. That was my normality, but for others, maybe it was abnormality. But I didn't give a fuck, you know, I was just, I was 100% sure that this is, this is the way of life for me, you know. And, and thanks to that attitude, it kind of taught me to be self-efficient. It taught me to be independent. It, uh, I'd say that the you know the satanic uh, approach taught me to be to fight for my um, autonomy, mm. and uh, and it never I mean some of those very essential ideas you know has never lost value. It's still pretty fucking essential for me you know, and that's why I'm fucking battling idiots in the court you know, like battling all this obscurity fighting the ignorance and uh, I, and I'm pretty fucking relentless about it, you know, and I'm aging, of course, I'm 43 now, which is, I'm, I'm hopefully I'm, you know, midway, but uh, I'm, I've, I've never really given up, you know, it's, yeah, so, I've, yeah, and I'm, and I'm, and again, you know, if you ask me if I'm, you know, a happy person, I say I'm relatively happy and uh, I'm pretty successful. And I sleep well, 
if you know what I'm trying to say. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. And I, I, it's interesting, you know, something going backwards a little bit, uh, you know, you were talking about, you know, giving the, the sort of bootleg satanic Bible to your father to, to Xerox. And isn't it interesting, you know, you were talking about listening to Venom and, and so forth, the imagery and the power that those associations have. And of course, for us being, you know, little kids in the 80s, we remember satanic panic and all of the uh you know the the bullshit that was the, the, the tabloid version yeah. of satanism and i remember uh, you know as i got into metal and was getting a lot of different records i i still uh, you know I, I i loved metallica slayer you know but i still when i got possessed seven churches i remember being afraid of the album cover you know, and it's like that, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, weird yeah. superstition, you know, where just just having that record sitting amongst my other records and even just knowing it was in my room just had like a weird vibe. And it's interesting yeah. because, yeah. yeah, of course, when you read, you know, LeVayan stuff or whatever, it's not what people think, but, but there is still the power really of that image. It was scary. Yeah, the imagery and the, and the aesthetics were like, were just, you know, connected uh, because of the propaganda uh, it was connected with some negativity and uh, something very very dangerous that can uh, deprivate uh, a youngster's hearts and uh, and yeah of course we all know that it wouldn't or if you know if, if you're like misled and, and just you know and misconcept this stuff you know then it, it, it might have but you know it could have been like another tool that, you know, makes you a shithole, you know, not necessarily the satanic philosophy by which we all know that it's really just materialism and uh, it's very humanistic and it's not very satanic in the end of the day, but, you know, like that, things were different, the values were different and, uh, I mean, I don't know about now, you know, because I, I still get like, you know, like one of the most like annoying um, uh, uh, reactions to you know when people let's say I go for like some whatever mainstream radio or whatever you know I still got these people that you know approach me with this you know, oh everyone thinks that you're eating cats or torturing animals mm -hmm. and I and I'm not even laughing because these are really really shitty and bad jokes they feel like, it feels like you know this the stereotype, you know, that comes from, I don't know, 80s or something, because some idiot back then did that, and it kind of affected everyone who is associated with the devil. And uh, to me, it's um, that bullshit. And I'm like, I'm, I'm getting very annoyed when this is happening. And I'm like, seriously, wow. So, yeah, I mean, that's a price you have to pay for, you know, for people just being so short-sighted and stupid. What's powerful about all that imagery when it's put to its proper use of kind of cracking open the superstitious side of belief and starting conversations, I think that's when that's powerful. And of course, you're always going to have people that take the lazy approach and want to talk about the the theatrical side of it. And, uh, you know, like you said, the, you know, oh, did you sacrifice animals and whatever? And, and that's a way of... Um, it's dismissive and, and patronizing, but it's also a way of evading and, and kind of, you know, skirting around the difficult parts of the conversation that are really at the heart of it, you know, that, you know, they don't, people doing a radio interview are going to ask you questions like that because they don't want to talk about, you know, <laughs> as they're sitting there at 11 in the morning doing their radio show, they don't want to think about whether or not there's an afterlife you know, or, yeah, or these like yeah. big, big questions that were, are actually much more fascinating and important to talk about. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's, man, there's so much to talk about along these lines. And, uh, and I apologize because I'm, I'm, I know you've probably talked about this to death, but I think the, um, the blasphemy case, you know, 10 years ago, uh, was w really important. And I think when the story, you know, we were talking in the very beginning about, kind of the history of subcultures and, and kind of recording things for the record, 
you know, for all of the sensationalism associated with black metal in the, you know, the, the black circle and, and the church burnings and all that sort of stuff, I think that blasphemy uh, trial and, and what happened in Poland is uh, perhaps the most, you know, it, it's not the most sensational thing in terms of, you know, blood and violence, but it is the, I think, most important. Significant. Yeah, it's, significant. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, significant. it's a big yeah. deal because it's crazy that that's, that that's on it, the books. It, even, in, the 20, you know? in the 21st century, things like that actually do happen. And, yeah. uh, you know, the problem is Poland is still, uh, by now, uh, after Ireland just deleted the blasphemy castles from their um, constitution, Poland is probably, I don't think it is, you have to double check that, I might be wrong, but uh, up until now it was Poland and Ireland that had the blasphemy councils in their constitution. Now it's only Poland. So basically we feel like, you know, mentally it makes us feel connected and pretty much rooted uh, in medieval times, which is, you know, which is, I don't know, uh, what, seven, eight hundred years. It's, it's insane. It shouldn't be, and to me, like, call it a mission, but uh, I mean, stuff that I do, and I do like to poke people, you know, to think and to question, and even you know, if they get annoyed and they get angry and stuff, you know. My point is that uh, by the end of, I mean, before I die, I want this to be out in Polish constitution. <laughs> yes. To put it in these terms, uh, you know, it, it's a thought crime. I mean, the idea that uh, in a free society you can be charged for a thought crime because there's no, yeah. you know, and, and this is something, you know, a lot of comedians talk about, uh, you know, from Ricky Gervais to, uh, you know, go on down the line, that you don't have a right not to be offended, you know, like it, it's yeah. <laughs> people, yeah. other, you know, the rights of others to offend you supersede your right to not be offended um, because it's not any sort of physical harm that's being done to you by someone doing something that offends you, you know, so it's uh, and especially when you put it in the context of if you're offended by someone tearing up a Bible, you don't have to go to a behemoth show. <laughs> Just, yeah, which is, yeah, which is which is very important, you know. Like I've always, like, I mean, I don't know if you were, you know, but I was supposed to have another uh, caucus starting on uh, March 20th, but mm -hmm. due to coronavirus, like all the courts were just shut down and it's not happening, which is good, you know, because it, it just buys us some extra time and maybe it's going to affect also that some of the guys, you know, realize. There are way more important things in life and in the world than fucking chasing down Nurgle's ads for showing something on the internet that you didn't like. That that is crazy. And um, but this is Poland, man. And Poland is, uh, you know, you know the whole fucking gang of these uh, politicians who are opportunists, and uh, because they don't really, you know, know how to, you know, how to build their name and how to. Uh, made their name basically and, and, and give people a quality service, they, they'd rather attack an artist like myself and get some publicity because of that. And I know exactly that is the case. I'm an easy target. They want to capitalize on the headlines that they will get. And if, God forbid, <laughs> they win, uh, they're going to get you know, support and, you know, applause from like, like-minded, you know, uh, um, people, you know, which obviously Poland is full of, uh, you know, all these, you know, so-called Catholics, religious people, you know, but that, you know, the, the key thing here is that, uh, what, how come it's never a church authority is being offended by what I do? Mm. That is the question. That is the question. And of course, you know, it's very easy to answer this question because I'm not here like on a position to defend, you know, the church authorities because they have their skeletons and, and, and it's a lot, but they don't care about bullshit. They don't care about like, you know, small stuff. They, they, 
especially nowadays, they are busy with like all these accusations of, you know, sex crimes and pedophilia and stuff, you know. I mean, they don't want to waste their energy on fucking attacking an artist doing something on his Instagram or on stage or wherever where he's, I mean, where he should, you know, be free to, you know, to exercise his uh, freedom. So this is bullshit, man. Obviously, this is bullshit, and this is pure opportunism. And it's a distraction from real work that politicians could be doing that would actually benefit society. Absolutely. <laughs> They're wasting Absolutely. their time on this. That's it. That's it. It's, and you know what? The whole blasphemy case, which took us, what, uh, six years to finish. So six years, it was obviously, you know, the, you know, the, the judges and everyone, you know, must get paid, right? It, mm. It's, it's, you know, a whole bunch of people working on that case and someone has to pay that. So it's not only my money, but it's fucking tax money. It's tax money coming to, to uh, endorse all that bullshit just because someone is feeling offended. To me, it's fucking plain and simple. If you find something offensive, if, I don't know, some content makes you offensive, that is actually great news. Why? Because there's a lot of work ahead of you, and it's your own work. It's not the work that, I, that we are been talking about that you must, uh, you know, fight the, tar the target, the, the, the source of offense. Uh, no, it's you. It's a self-therapy. If you have problem with something, you have problem with that, and it's not the thing that is the problem. And every fucking therapist, every psychologist and psychiatrist will tell you that. That it's not the world. It's you. <laughs> you have to fucking deal with that. Period. So if, do I have issues with other people or situations? Of course I do. And, that, and I know it's me. I'm getting annoyed by this and that. No. But it's not the guy. You know? I mean, everyone has the right to be whoever he is and, and say whatever he wants, you know. If I don't like something, I'd rather just turn my back and move other way. If, well, of course, you know, I know that uh, the sermons in, in church will, will, will irritate me, okay? I don't, wanna, I don't need that knowledge. So what do I do? I do not enter the church while <laughs> the mass is on. It's a very simple um, strategy. It's super simple, okay? Mm -hmm. I go to churches if they're, if they're beautiful, like, you know, ancient and, and medieval, and they're empty. Th this is the only state that I can say that this, this, is, this is a beautiful situation. Yes, they are. Arch architecturally, they're, they're fucking mind-blowing, mostly, and amazing. And, um, but other than that, if you don't like something, do not enter. You don't like porn, do not enter red tube. You don't like uh, black metal, do not enter, you know, black metal sites. Uh, you don't like Nurgle and the content he's serving every day. Avoid my Instagram. <laughs> and on the top of that, the same assholes go to my Instagram, and now they're trying to bring me to court. They actually do it, you know, because it's happening. Now it's just postponed, you know. But, you know, I remember getting this Phallus uh, um, Day, you know, the, 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 the sculpture that I got from that warrior from Celtic Cross. Mm -hmm. uh, he, you know, it was basically, it's, um, uh, yeah, it's a wooden phallus, you know, and it has uh, Christ nailed to the phallus, you know. So basically I would just waste it in front of a camera on my Instagram. And I will be charged with blasphemy because of that. <laughs> so times, times are crazy. Times are crazy. And not only can you disregard things that offend you or search your own feelings and reasoning for why something. I mean, we're talking about art. I mean, art is supposed to be provocative and to disrupt and make you feel something. And even if what makes you feel is, is anger or fear or, um, or hatred, th those are... Those are good responses to process. Yeah. And also, uh, yeah. you know, I, I would argue, and I think that this is what you are doing to an extent, even with the culture around you. If, you know, not only do, can you ignore the things that are you find distasteful, 
but you can create alternatives. That's the whole thing, yeah. right? So if you're someone who's really offended that, you know, Behemoth tore up a Bible on stage, then create your own art form, your own expression, you know, do your own, <laughs> do your own band that's, uh, you know, uh, yeah. tearing up Behemoth records on stage or whatever, you know, like um, yeah, yeah. express, uh, you know, put, to me, what's important is the conversation and the point of view. And I, I, I am always attracted to art that has something to say, regardless of the, you know, I don't have to share the point of view, but I respond to passion and authenticity and belief in the point of view, you know, which is why I can, you know, I'm not a Rastafarian, but I can listen to the bad brains and feel inspired by that commitment and that weird mysticism that emanates from their music without being an adherent or, or sharing those specific beliefs. And I think that that translates yeah, across here. a lot I of mean, music, you know, and art in general. Yeah, same here, you know, like I'm, I'm a huge um, Johnny Cash fan, you know, but mm. in fact, every second song is pretty much a fucking, you know, part of, you know, five sermons. You know, it's, yeah. it's a Bible for six. It's, it's it's Jesus worshiping, you know. But hey, I'm buying it. I'm aware what what I step into, and I'm buying the whole thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that I. I mean, I said it publicly, you know, that if there's any one person on earth, you know, that's referring to Jesus is John Cash. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, it was a pure it was a pure provocation. But I don't have a problem because first of all, you cannot really offend me. So I will sing along, you know, all these prayers uh, with 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 Johnny, and uh, and I'm gonna have all the fun there is, but it's not gonna turn me off. It's not gonna make me intimidated. It's not gonna make anything to me, but it makes pure artistic joy. But mm -hmm. to do that, to do so, first of all, one must be very. Must be super self-confident. Your core must be very strong. Your will must be strong, and you, you should, in the first place, should know who you are. And in, in, under these circumstances, you can do whatever the fuck you want. So, as a heterosexual, you know, I have no problems with stepping into a gay bar because mm -hmm. it's not going to affect me in in any way. I mean, I can go there and have fun, not sexual, because that's not that attracts me. But why should I avoid it or treat it as fucking leprosy? No. <laughs> Therefore, I have friends that are gay. I have friends that are, um, you know, even like some, some of the political views that are, you know, I don't, I'm not even going to say it publicly because the world is fucked now. So if I say something, they're going to make links. All these stupid, all these mindless people from Metal Sucks and all these, you know, self-proclaimed policemen of, you know, the, the P, uh, PC policemen, fuck them all, you know. I can make friends with pretty much anyone, but pedophile, I guess, or child murderer. I don't think I could do that. But but other than that, you know, like the the, the, um, the spectrum of my friends is really wide. You know, it's not just fucking black, it's not just black metalers. It's actually quite an opposite. I, I do have friends that are metalers, but... Uh, it's open-minded people, politicians, artists, fucking anyone, you know. But the fact that I can communicate with anyone because I can, I can learn from anyone, it it makes me interesting to them, and it makes all of them interest. Like I'm, I'm, I'm being interested in being friends with those people because I can learn so much from them. <laughs> I can't think of a better uh, summary of what I'm trying to do with this podcast. <laughs> That's exactly yeah, that's how good, I man. feel. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's the point. That's the point. Uh, there is a, there is this guy. His name is uh, Adam Donetsky. Uh, it sounds exotic to you. I know. Sorry. <laughs> he's a priest, and his name is Adam, like like myself. Mm -hmm. And he's. Uh, I think he's gonna he's gonna die soon. You know, he's like really I don't know like eighty five or nine. I don't know. He's old. But he's still super bright, and uh, he made some comments about me that are that were very uh, friendly. It was back in the days, you know, because I met him at the airport. I started a conversation. I took a photo with him and posted it on my Facebook, 
And the next day, all the newspapers, all the headlines, you know, been all over the place, you know, and he got shit from the church for being, uh, for, for, for making it basically. Wow. And he was banished. He was banished and he's, uh, he, he uh, they suspended him, uh, from some activities because of me in the first place, because he's being this liberal among like Christians that thinks that, hey, I mean, it all comes down to the human being. And, uh, you know, and, and I mean, just look in the eye of the guy and can say, you know what, I might not agree with, you know, what you stand for, you know, but you seem to be a decent person. Isn't this the most fucking crucial thing that we should, you know, stick to? I mean, it's literally the greatest of all commandments in Christian belief is to love thy neighbor as thyself. And what's, you know, what I, what I was thinking about earlier, too, is, you know, if the Christ of the Gospels were here in the flesh today, would his concern be, uh, you know, pestilence, famine, war, um, or or would he be concerning himself with a guy in Poland on Instagram posting a phallus with him? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what what do yeah, we think he would probably, actually probably. be focused on? You know. Uh, well, first of all, you know, if the same guy comes in the street of Warsaw today, you'll probably just put him in the handcuffs, you know, and send him straight to a mental asylum or something like that. So, Indeed. So just today, okay, and. Um, but then, you know, if you look uh, like holistically, you know, at the you know history of the world, you know, what's happening now, there's already few Christ out there. There's people who do who do things, you know, to other things, to other people, you know, there's, there's people who cure other people. There's people who does crazy stuff, you know. I'm not, I'm far from labeling them, okay? I don't know. I mean, they can be anything, tricksters or comedians or. Uh, attention horse, you know, this, you know, back then, 2000 years ago, they called him a messiah. So this is it, you know, we are all victims of time and space, you know. Uh, would I want to um, be born in uh, year zero? No. I enjoy uh, present times. If from the historical point of view, this is the best times ever for the humankind, the most wealthy, the most healthy. Uh, despite despite what's going on around, and, and this is the best time we've had, you know, and the longest period without a massive total war. So it's not the best time, period. What you know, and it's also uh, in an age where information uh, about all about everything imaginable, you know, the full extent of human knowledge all around the world can be shared and and shared quickly, which you know is totally unprecedented yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to ask you just one more thing on the blasphemy case uh my understanding of of the original case is that it drug on bouncing back and forth between different courts for so long that it was really only dismissed because the statute of limitations right like you basically ran out the clock so it wasn't even that anyone came to their senses and realized that prosecuting you for this was bullshit it was it was just that they ran out of time you know how are you feeling i guess about this current one, uh, do you do you envision that playing out well, the same way? Do you yeah, think there's yeah. a I mean, chance of? No, the times the times are bad for that. You know, this is the, probably the worst time ever because Poland is under uh, Catholic regime, uh, worse than ever. This is this is the worst now. So uh, it's going to be a struggle for sure. I won't be surprised if I get convicted for that. Uh, the worst what I can get for it is still be some penalty. But first of all, you know the you know the most uh, the most problematic would be just to get convicted, you know, because that might affect my uh, you know my traveling in the future, my border crossing, you know, and uh, and I'm really far 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 from being criminal. I run a few businesses, I pay massive tax to this country, I make this country famous. Mm -hmm. Sorry, now it's it's my ego speaking. But that's the fact, you know, and uh, and if I'm being punished, uh, it's going to it's going to feel very, very uh, unjust. 
Indeed. Amen to that. Do you have time for one more question? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry for that, you know, because usually, you know, uh, I'm set up for like 30 minute interviews and this one is actually very uh, unconventional and actually very engaging too. So it, it, don't get me wrong. I had oh, so much you. fun talking about that because most of these interviews now are about, oh, so why did you come up with this album title? <laughs> it's cool because yeah. my new album, you know, the Blue Sea album is, is cool. But uh, it, it kind of took me um, as a surprise, which is which is awesome. I like to be surprised. So yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so I want to ask you, and it, it's a bit of a big question, uh, you know. But you know, given the 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 crisis of of health, um, you know, that you went through a few years ago, you know, I wanted to check in with how you're you're feeling now and everything, and also. You know, and this could be something we could get into, uh, you know, in another episode down the road somewhere. Um, but going through something like that, you know, what have you decided or where's your head at in terms of, um, you know, any sort of bigger picture or deeper meaning? You know, is it is it a is it a life of, of chaos? Is there organization? Do you think there's some kind of spiritual being in you that that transcends the flesh at some point or or you know is death all there is like that like i said i know it's like the biggest question ever but it ha but, yeah, it, but, it is. but being it so is, i think but yeah go ahead go ahead sorry. I, th I think what you're asking for is is what is is what fucking humankind you know was you know the reason why humankind was driven for you know two thousand years mm -hmm. it's it can't it cannot be answered and um, I have different uh, reflections, different opinions, and uh, I'm uh, I'm rather a man of possibilities, and uh, I don't really have like a strong, uh, like you know, like viewpoint here that I'm like, okay, this is what's happening, you know. And what I told you earlier, you know, I like to be surprised. I'm gonna <laughs> repeat myself here. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be surprised. Um, I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't really know if there are any uh, evidences out there that uh, prove that there is something beyond that. So I'd like to live my life here and now, but uh, I do live here and now uh, with reflections and with. Uh, with the awareness. So it's not like, oh, let's just go wild and fuck right. off and then whatever. No, I mean, I try to stay. I mean, I'm too old for that, okay? Maybe if I had my experiences when I was 25, I'd be, by the time I'd be a fucking heroin addict or something <laughs> because I, I, I would want to fucking try out everything in life. No, I'm too old for that. So I... I definitely did leave uh, my hospital cell with a massive hunger to, you know, for life and a massive need to get myself revealed and um, and redefined. That's why, I, you know, like a few of my, in my bucket, bucket list were all those, you know, things uh, with apostasy and uh, I added Nurgle and uh, you know, another thing that I did, you know, I, yeah, to your, I made to your name my, legally, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my, my name is like legal, and uh, there was also like a part of that, you know, I just wanted, I, I want everyone to know that, like, the person that I kind of, the persona that I created, you know, back in the days, you know, when I was 15, by the way, I came up with, I mean, I found that name, and I said, okay, it's going to be new me. Now it's, it's really, I mean, I mean it. It's me, me. And uh, officially, I don't want to, uh, I won't, I don't want people, you know, to take that in, a, uh, you know, because they always use what you call the exclamation marks. No, yeah, the, the quotation marks. marks. Yeah, yeah. Quote, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, quotation marks. Sorry. And um, I didn't want that anymore. Still, people do that because they don't believe it's my legal name, but I, I, I get annoyed, like, man, because that's why I did that, you know, so, so people can stop asking me questions. So how should I address to you, like, Nurgle or Adam? What do you prefer? I mean, like, man, either way, 
by others. I had no influence on them whatsoever. It was the lottery, pure lottery. And mm-hmm. I was oh yeah, it was my choice. So so I respect both. Both have a massive impact on uh, on who I am now. So yeah, I have no problem with that, you know. So um, and we and you know we, we don't put your... we don't put Danzig in quotes and we don't put Tom G. Warrior in quotes and we <laughs> so exactly, <laughs> there's no need exactly. to put and Nurgle so on, in quotes. So on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I can't say, man. I mean, I don't expect me to, to come up with here and here with some, I don't know, some, uh, uh, illuminating answer that's gonna be like super, you know, metaphysical or whatever. I don't know, honestly. And, uh, uh, but what drives, what, and one thing, you know, that also drives me through life is the unknown. And uh, mm. you're probably aware of the fact, you know, that for in in, in a lot of methods and uh, and uh, yeah, the the unknown is very like very often is associated with uh, with the power of Satan, the devil, because that is unknown. That is the forbidden. Uh, of course, I'm I'm using it. It here as a metaphor, you know. So no, I don't. I don't believe in, in you know, Dante's Inferno. It's it's amazing to to draw inspiration from that. I don't think that's what's awaiting me in the afterlife. But what drives me to life is the curiosity, and this is something that I that I wish everyone to keep uh, for as long as they can, because that's when I you know, keep you going and keep you um, vital, so to say. So, yeah, that's it, you know. I'd like to evolve. I'd like to to give the world a better version of myself every day. That's why I work hard on who I am. I hope that by the end of the, my life, you know, it's just time to, to sum it up, you know. I The balance of you know, between the harm that I did to others and the good thing that I brought to others is going to be on the benefit of the lesser one. So, you know, people will think of me as a different human being. And this is like the simplest way that I want to please live right now. You may be surprised to hear this, but uh, for any pressure you might put on yourself to give a profound metaphysical answer i think you did exactly that uh you know i I found for me as somebody who uh you know uh, appreciates probably more of the the early christian and the gnostic and and sort of progressive side of of christianity and identifies more on that end of the spectrum i also have found that the most exciting thing for me and what is driving me with purpose now as an adult is the mystery as you said and and the continued curiosity and to learn and and take in new information and i think that that's the death of i think certainty is the death of uh anyone philosophically spiritually whatever is is to you know there's one thing to have certain facts and values that you have at your core that you operate from but if you're not open to new information if you're not curious if you're not learning and evolving as you said um, then you're already dead. That's already that's a type of death in my yeah. in my view. I would, I, yeah, I would hate that. I hate to end up in a situation where I'm, uh, you know, sworn to a certain set of rules and and I'm and I just stuck to it, you know, no matter what. You know, what 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 man should do is to like not maybe every day, you know, but like let's, let's put it that way. Every day you should ask, you know, who you are. Because mm-hmm. every day you're a different person. You should revisit your uh, views from a year ago because maybe today's Nurgle, you know, needs something else. Maybe today's Nurgle needs a change, you know, from who he was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And, well, I know the answer. Of course he does. <laughs> and uh, it starts with, you know, my sense of taste. When I didn't like something 10 years ago and I fucking love it today. Mm-hmm. considering like the dishes and flavors and, and spices and stuff same goes with women i used to like certain kind of women five years ago and today i wouldn't even look at them mm-hmm. it refers to 
anything really, anything, you name it. So if I'm talking about stuff that is very important, you know, but maybe there's more important stuff, the metaphysical stuff. And uh, when I think about it, you know, like, well, today this is what I think, you know, but don't be surprised, you know, if you hear otherwise from me tomorrow. Just, you know, keep your eyes open, stay alert, stay smart, think for yourself, man. That's it. Amen. Amen. And if there is, if there isn't, there's nothing scarier to me than, than the certainty of belief. And for different points of my life where I was searching for some kind of certainty, it's so much more freeing to, to live in the uncertainty absolutely. and the, the magic absolutely. of that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, thank you so much for making the time to do this. Like I said, you were a, a wish list guest uh, when I even oh, wow. devised this awesome, concept. Man. So um, <laughs> That was awesome. Oh, good talk. I, 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 honestly, I didn't expect that, you know, so it came, as I said before, you came out of surprise, you know, but it's always good to, you know, like, it, it, I like that, you know, so I never ask people like, oh, so you want me to look in, you know, and like, what the interview is going to be about? No, just fucking bring it on, bring it on. You know, because <laughs> that is, that is the best way to, uh, to stimulate your brain. Yeah. Oh, and then like, you'll be like, holy shit, I didn't expect that. You have to. <laughs> Think harder. You have to make your like make things up and 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 make up your brain and you know what I mean. So this is cool. This is I love stimulating. That. I love like that. Cool. I used to um I used to have this trick where uh, I used to uh, be a reporter for MTV, and my beat uh -huh. was uh, primarily movies. So I I did a lot of press junkets, and in a lot of those situations, mm -hmm. you get ten minutes, sometimes five minutes to go sit down with, you know, some A-list movie star and, and talk to them about their new film. And the trick that I started to employ over time was I would, you know, because you're going into this room at the Four Seasons with someone who's talked to, you know, maybe 50 reporters that day. And I try to think, what is the most basic, generic, uh, stupid question that this person has been asked all day? And uh -huh. I, I would go in and I would start with that question. And as soon as they started to answer, I would interrupt them and say, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to ask you that fucking question. <laughs> and, and it was just the, per the perfect icebreaker because it would always break them out of the monotony and out of the, the kind of robotic, you know, they would laugh every time, a hundred times out of a hundred, they would laugh. And then I would say, how many times have you answered that today? You know, if, it, if, if it's a time travel movie, you know, I remember uh, interviewing, Paul Walker once for a time travel movie and I asked him you know so if you could go anywhere back in time where would you want to go and he started to answer and I was like I'm just kidding I'm not going to ask you that and he's he, he practically <laughs> fell out of his chair you know he's like oh dude I've been I've been answering that question all day you know, what, how do you feel about the state of the black metal scene you know not going to ask you that. <laughs> good, good, good. Good for you. Good so, for me. <laughs> yeah, man. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, brother, and uh, and take care. And uh... Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much. Be safe and uh, keep on poking. 